Thanks so much for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and help you grow deeper in your faith. G'day. Thanks for joining us. My name's Nathan. I'm the lead pastor of LifeGate Church. I've got a message I want to share with you today. We're going to pray first, and then we're going to dive in. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the God who loves us, that you are the God who cares for us, that you are the God who sees us. Father, we pray that as we come to your word now that you would speak to us, give us ears and hearts open to hear from you, and that what we hear we will grab a hold of and put into our lives and we'll be transformed to look, more, to look more and more like Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, friends, I want to take you back to 1995. I'm, I'm in year 12 at high school, and I'm dating this girl who I'm head over heels for. And it turns out that while we were dating, this girl kissed one of my friends, and then she dumped me. And I didn't know anything about it. Well, a few months after this, I was at school at lunchtime with my mates, so-called mates anyway, and, and one of them mentioned the incident that they spoke about how my mate kissed my girlfriend, and when I heard it, I was like, what? Because I, I didn't know anything about that, and so I didn't want to make a big deal of it at the time, so I gently, quietly asked a few more questions, and it turns out that it was true and that everybody knew about it except for me. Now, in that moment, I felt pretty bad, pretty hurt, uh, betrayed, rejected, and a heap of other feelings because this person who I cared about treated me poorly. I wonder if you can relate to my story. Maybe you've never experienced the exact thing that I just shared, but the reality is we've all been through moments in life where we've been treated poorly. And some of those moments we're treated poorly by the people that we care about the most and the people who care about us the most when they treat us poorly that creates the most pain you know maybe you're in a marriage or in a relationship and your spouse um, is going through a hard time and they're taking out all their stuff on you and they're speaking to you negatively they, they are treating you poorly and when someone who's your spouse treats you like that that could bring a lot of pain it can also be true in the workplace. You have a friend in the workplace and you share with them a secret. And then that so-called friend in the workplace gets that secret and blabs it um, to those in the workplace. Um, and you feel betrayed in that moment. Or maybe you're with a group of friends and a friend tells, a so-called friend tells a lie about you in order to break up a friendship so they can have access to someone more than you. You know, these are moments in our lives where we are treated poorly. And I think we all go through them. And when we go through them, we have feelings of pain and feelings of hurt and feelings of rejection. And, and these can be really difficult seasons for us, difficult moments for us in our lives. So as we, as we talk about these moments where we're treated poorly, I want us to ask two questions this morning. The first question is this. Why do people treat us poorly? What's, what's going on for them in order for them to treat us in the way they do? Because there's something going on. There's something under the, surface, under the surface that's rumbling up that's causing that action. And the second question I want to ask is, 
How do we respond when people treat us poorly? Now, if you can relate to what I'm saying and you've had people that treat you poorly, well, you're not alone. Um, Jesus was also treated really poorly throughout his life, but particularly in his last week. You know, I've been reading um, in, my, in my personal time with Jesus, I've been reading through the Gospels, and when I hit Matthew chapter 26, I was fully impacted by the number of times Jesus is treated poorly in this chapter. We see him treated poorly by the religious leaders. We see him treated poorly by Judas, one of his disciples. And we see him treated poorly by Peter, one of his closest disciples. Now, Matthew chapter 26, the context is we're in the final week of ministry. Jesus has had three years of healing and teaching and proclaiming, and he's got a, he's got a bunch of followers. And then in Matthew chapter 26, where in, 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 in his final week leading up to the, the Passover feast and then his eventual arrest and crucifixion. And Jesus knew what was going to happen. And this crucifixion was a really big deal for Jesus. And and it brought him a, a lot of concern, no doubt for the pain, no doubt for the weight of the sin of the world. Jesus knew what was coming, and he wasn't looking forward to that. We can see that as, he, as, we, as we look at his prayers that he prayed on the Mount of Olives just before he was arrested. And it was at that time where he needed those who cared about him the most to stand next to him, to support him, to be with him. But that's not what we see. We see people who were supposed to care about him, Judas, Peter, treat him poorly, disown and betray him. And in Matthew chapter 26, as I said, there are three incidents where Jesus is treated poorly. And as we, look at this, as we look at these incidents, I want us to ask these two questions, which relate to our questions. Number one is, why did people treat Jesus poorly? What was, going under, what was going on under the surface for them? And the second question I want to ask is, how did Jesus respond? How did Jesus respond when people treated him poorly? So let's look at the first incident. And the first incident is around the religious leaders. I want to take you to Matthew chapter 26, verse 3. And this is what it says. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the place of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas. And they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. That passage at at the beginning of Matthew chapter 26 is a picture of what the religious leaders wanted to do with Jesus. The religious leaders were not a fan of Jesus. They actually hated him. Why? Because of what he said about himself. But something bigger was the influence he was having on the people. See, as the religious leaders, they had authority. They had authority over the society which was given them by the Romans. The Roman Empire was over that whole region. And they allowed the Jewish leaders to run that part of their empire and to keep things in order. But this new teacher rises up. This new teacher that talks about a new kingdom, a new way of doing things, which brought a threatening to the religious leaders. We see this more clearly in John chapter 11. In John chapter 11, Jesus has just risen Lazarus from the dead. And after he rises Lazarus from the dead, this is what we read. It says, Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. 
And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Notice the last sentence, verse 48. If we let him him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away away both our temple and our nation. See, the Roman Empire was happy for the Jews, for the, for the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Jewish leaders to keep things going, um, their society going and keeping some normalcy there, as long as it didn't affect the empire. But if this Jesus character rose up and got enough followers, and as these religious leaders lost authority because people were going to Jesus rather than them, well, then these, eventually these religious leaders won't have the place of supremacy and the Roman Empire will recognize that and they'll say, Religious leaders, Jews, you guys are out. This, this our new Jesus, he's in. And so these Jewish leaders were threatened by Jesus. Here's the question. Why did the religious leaders treat Jesus poorly? Why? Because they were threatened by Jesus. They were concerned that Jesus was going to take their place, their authority, their prestige. They were concerned about what they were going to lose. I wonder if you can relate to this. Maybe you've been treated poorly. Because people around you were threatened by you. Let me give you a, fully, a few examples. Maybe you're the new kid on the block. You're the new business. You're the new person in, in the group. Or you're new to a church. Or, the, or you're the new church in town. And you are, as you walk in, people can see you as stepping on their toes. They can feel threatened by you because they're concerned that you, as the new person, are going to take some of their influence. So they treat you poorly. Another example, maybe you've got a friend and you've been a friend with this person for many, many years. And from your friend's perspective, you're doing much better than them in life. And they feel threatened by that. They're jealous because of how well you've done, but, but they feel threatened because they think that you are now too far above them to be a friend to them. And they feel threatened by that. And when people feel threatened... People try and protect themselves, and it's not always in the healthiest ways. People protect themselves by putting a gap between us and them. People protect themselves by telling stories that aren't true to get other people on their side rather than having them on your side. People do things because when they're threatened in order to protect themselves, and some of those things don't look nice. I wonder if you've ever been treated poorly by someone who's trying to protect themselves, someone who feels threatened by you. The second incident we have is Judas. Now in Matthew chapter 26, we're told that the religious leaders, not the religious leaders, sorry, um, that Jesus and his disciples are at dinner and this woman comes in with expensive perfume and pours it on Jesus' head. And it's worth, this perfume's worth a lot of money. And at that, there is a discussion within the, within the disciples around this poor use of finance. And no doubt Judas was one of the ones who, was, who had the strongest opinion on this. In our John chapter 12, we're told that Judas was the one who's given responsibility for the money. And not only did, did he have responsibility for it, but, but rather he took money for himself. He stole from the, from the kitty to make his own pockets richer. And, so doubt it, and no doubt it's Judas saw Jesus' free use of finance, I'm calling it, how Jesus was free in his, in his generosity and how he saw finance. He took offense at this woman's use and how Jesus 
saw the way this money was used. He took offense at it. And this was one of the many triggers for Judas to lead him to go to the religious leaders to betray Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 26, verse 14, we see this. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted off for him 30 pieces of silver. Now, um, put yourself in Jesus' shoes here. Put yourself in Jesus' shoes. You have invested in in Judas for the last three years. You've taught him. You've sent him out. You've given him opportunity with the finance. This person that you've invested in for all these years and built close relationship with and all this trust with goes to betray you and not just betray you and tells lies about you or treats you negatively behind your back. He goes to the very people that were opposed to you and betrays you to them in order that they may arrest you and even kill you. I mean, that's huge betrayal. Now, as a pastor, I have the privilege of investing in people and and, 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 I, and I look for people who are passionate about Jesus and who have a desire to honor him. And I deliberately get alongside these people and encourage them in their faith and train them and equip them to, so that they can flourish. But one of the difficult things is when these people um, don't last very long or, they, or you invest and they start out the journey with you and then all of a sudden decide to go to a new church or then they turn against you and then say horrible things about you. And that stuff really hurts because you've invested, you've believed the best, you want the best, and they turn against you. Well, what I experienced is tiny compared to what Jesus experienced. That Jesus invested, and Judas was one of his closest people, and Judas betrayed him unto death. And the question we need to ask is, um, why did Judas treat Jesus poorly? Why did Judas treat Jesus poorly? And the answer is because Judas was in it for himself. He was in the relationship with Jesus for himself. No doubt Jesus, Judas started out with all the right motives. He sees this teacher, he follows him. But after time, this money thing became more and more of a problem for him. And that was an open door for Satan to get in and, and have influence in his life. And after a while, this money thing and him stealing money became such a big thing, he took offense at Jesus. He wasn't happy with Jesus' free, free view on finance. And he, and he took offense and eventually went, I'm not getting enough money out of Jesus. I need to get money in another place. And went to those religious leaders and got the 30 silver coins in order to fill his own pockets. Judas betrayed Jesus because he was in that relationship for himself. I wonder if you've ever been treated poorly by someone who's, in a relation, who's been in relationship with you for purely what they can get out of it rather than what they can give to it. You know, it really hurts when, we, when a relationship is one way and not two ways, where you're investing in people, you're loving people, you're supporting people, and all the person does is receive, is receive, and receive. And when time comes, they then leave you, they reject you, they say horrible things about you, they, they are turned away from you. And all that love and that support that you give and you go, oh man, that's rough, because they didn't treat me in the same way. In that sort of example, that person's in the relationship for themselves. And I need to say, I was one of those people who was in relationship for themselves, and I share that story of where that girl kissed one of my mates when I was still dating her. 
I was cheated on in that moment. And I think that looking back over 20 years, that moment affected my next few years. And I went into dating relationships after that, going into relationships with what I could get out of it rather than what I could give. And I would treat girls well for a season and then after a few months I get sick of them. And it sounds horrible, I know, and it is horrible. But I was in the relationship for what I could get. And when I was sick of it, I'd then dump them and then go find a new girlfriend. And that's not right and that's wrong and I'm, and I'm not proud of that. I'm, I, still look, I still look back at that time in my life and go, man, that should never have happened. But I share that story because that's an example of where I was in relationships to what I could get out of it and not what I could give. I wonder if you've ever been treated poorly by someone who's been in a relationship with you simply for what they can get out of it rather than what they can give. The third example that we see, the third incident that we see in Matthew chapter 26 is around Peter. Jesus is at the Last Supper. He's having dinner with his disciples and he's telling them about the things that are about to happen. And one of the things Jesus says is about to happen, he says to Peter, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to betray me three times. And Peter's like, no way, Jesus, that would never happen. I would give my life. I would die with you. Well, when Jesus says something's going to happen, well, it usually does. And this is what we read after Jesus is arrested. Read this. Now, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard because Peter, after Jesus was arrested, Peter followed the, the guards and Jesus taken to one of the religious leaders' houses. He's, he's following from a distance. And then we read this, verse 69. Now, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, Peter said. Verse 71. Then he, went, then he went out into the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. Imagine how Peter felt in that moment, and it goes on to say, Then Peter remembered the words of Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Peter recognized his error and wept bitterly and ran away. You know, Jesus would have known Peter was there, maybe saw him from a distance, knew he was outside. And in the moment where Jesus needed him the most, Peter left him. He denied him. I don't belong to this person. And so we need to ask the question, why did Peter treat Jesus poorly? Why did he deny him? And the answer is because Peter was afraid. He was afraid what would happen to him, what people would think about him if he said, I'm with Jesus. I'm his mate. I'm part of his team. I'm one of his disciples. I'm, I'm with Jesus. He was concerned about what would happen to him. And as a result, he denied him and treated him poorly. I wonder if you can relate to that. You've been in a moment where you were struggling, when you needed help, and someone was not willing, a supposed friend was not willing to stand up for you because they were afraid of how other people would treat them. I want to take you back again to 1995, I'm in year 12 at high school. And, and, and there was this horrible moment that I want to share with you, which illustrates this in the world today. 
It was a Wednesday, and it was a Wednesday lunchtime. I remember it was a Wednesday because that was when the band practice was on, and I was part of the school band. And after the band rehearsal, I went out um, to class, and I heard this horrible story of what happened with my mates, or I call them so-called mates. In our, in our group, about 20 blokes used to hang out together at lunchtime, went to an all-boys school. There were a number of guys that the boys picked on within our group, and one of them was an easy target, and on this day, they decided to play yum-yums. Now, if you don't know what yum-yums is, it's a game of stacks on. Now, stacks on is where, you, where someone yells stacks on, and you call the person's name, and everyone jumps on top of them, right? You might have seven, eight blokes on top of you. Now, that's a bit of fun. Then, you, then yum-yums is where you go stacks on plus the next step, and that is where you get whatever's on the ground. If it's on grass or dirt, you get the grass and the dirt, and you flick it in the person's mouth who you're stacked on, right? Now, again, that was a bit of fun. It wasn't so bad, right? That happened to most of us. But then on this day, it was really bad. And as I said, I wasn't there, but this is what I heard. That as they did stacks on and yum-yums, there happened to be a, a dead bird on the ground. And one of my so-called friends got this dead bird and chucked it in this other guy's mouth. He was also part of our friendship group. Now, when I heard that, I was like, how did that happen? Why didn't someone stop that? Why didn't someone in that friendship group stand up and say, no, this is not okay? And the reason they do it, and the reason they didn't say stop, is because they were afraid of what the other friends, what the, what the mob would say to them, what the, what the friendship group, so-called friendship group, would do to them, how they would treat them, what they would say to them if they tried to stop it. I wonder if you've ever experienced anything like this. A moment where someone should have stood next to you and said, no, this is not okay. But were unwilling to do it because they were afraid of the consequences. In this, in this events of um, Matthew chapter 26, we see three incidents where Jesus is treated poorly. Why did they treat Jesus poorly? Number one, the religious leaders treated Jesus poorly because they were threatened. Judas treated Jesus poorly because he was in it for himself. And Peter was afraid of what other people would do. And whenever we think about why people treat another person poorly, it's because there's something going on under the surface. They may feel threatened. They might be selfish because they want it. it's all about them. They might be afraid. They might want revenge. They might, there is something going on. And that's why people treat people poorly. And then the second question we want to ask is this. How did Jesus respond? Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Jesus in that moment and the people around me, like Judas and Peter, betray me, I might have had second thoughts about going to the cross. But you know what? With Jesus, he even proclaimed what was going to happen. Jesus said that the religious leaders were going to arrest him and hand him over. He said to Judas that he was going to betray him. He said to Peter he was going to deny him. Jesus knew what was going to happen, and even in that, Jesus still went to the cross for people, people who were so undeserving of his kindness, undeserving of his love. Jesus went to the cross and gave his life for them. When Jesus went to the cross and he died on the cross, he wasn't just an innocent man dying because he's been falsely accused. It was much more than that. It was an innocent man dying for the sin of the world, for the wrongdoing of the world. The Bible says that we all get it wrong. We've all messed up. But God loved us so much 
that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross so that our sin could be forgiven, so that our relationship with God that was broken due to our wrongdoing can be restored, and the death sentence that's on our life because of our sin could be paid for. Jesus went to that cross and died in the most horrible way because he loved people. How did Jesus respond to those who treated him poorly? He loved them and went to the cross and died for them. You know, just like those three people who denied Jesus, betrayed Jesus, had a conspiracy against him, did not deserve Jesus to die for them, that's the same with us. We don't deserve what Christ has done for us. We've all messed up. We've betrayed, denied, we've, we've, we've hurt people, we've hurt God, we've done all these things, these horrible things. But God loves me and God loves you anyway. He knows what you've done. He's seen the way you've treated others. He's seen the way you've treated yourself. God knows how you treated him. And he loves you anyway. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And if you want to be a friend of God, if you want to have forgiveness of sin, all you need to do is ask him. Say, Jesus, I believe who you are. I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. I believe in you. I choose to follow you. And by doing that, you become a follower of Jesus. You become a follower of Jesus and it's a life of living a life that pleases him and honors him. How did Jesus respond? He loved people. As we come to the end of this message, I want to go back to where we started. I started by talking about the time where the girlfriend I had, who I was was head over heels for, kissed someone else. And that brought a lot of pain in my life. A lot of pain and rejection and all that sort of stuff. And I shared that we all have moments where the people that we care about treat us poorly. And I asked these questions. Number one, why do people treat us poorly? And people treat us poorly because maybe they feel threatened like the religious leaders. Maybe they're in it for himself like Judas. Maybe they're afraid like Peter or a whole bunch of other reasons. Maybe they're offended by what we've done and they want to take revenge on us. Maybe there's so much stress going on in their workplace or in their environments and, and, and they take out their their stress on us because we're the people who are most trustworthy and the people who can take it. There could be many, many reasons why people treat us poorly. And in some ways, when people treat us poorly, we can have compassion on them because we know usually it's not about us. It's about something that's going on inside them that's not healthy. So the next time someone treats you poorly, rather than get offended, maybe consider, maybe I should have compassion on them because they're not doing so well. And the second question is this. How do we respond? You know, when someone wants to treat you poorly, when someone does treat you poorly, the next, the unnatural response is to arc up and, and get angry and want to take revenge and want to get even. But that's not what we see in Jesus. Jesus did not treat people that way. Jesus was betrayed. He was reject, rejected. A conspiracy was put out against him. And he was arrested and killed. And what does he do? He loves people anyway. And friends, let me encourage you to be like Jesus. When, treat, when people treat you poorly, how should you respond? Love them anyway. Love them unconditionally. Choose to forgive quickly. Don't hold a grudge. Don't talk negatively about them. Be kind to them. These are all ways that we can continue to love people. So as we come to the close of this message, 
Here's one question I want you to consider, to pray about, and to put into action. Number one, here's the question. What is one thing you can do to love someone who is treating you poorly? One more time. What is one thing you can do to love someone who is treating you poorly? I want to give you 30 seconds to reflect on this question, to pray and ask God. Take 30 seconds and pray now. Father, we go through life and we go through moments and seasons where we are treated poorly. And the times that hurt the most are when people who care about us and supposed to love us the most, when they treat us poorly, when, they, when we are disrespected by them, that's what hurts the most. Father, within us, rises up feelings of anger anger, and wanting to get even. Father, we pray that that won't be the case. But rather we will follow the model of Jesus who, choose, who chose to love anyway. And God, that we will be deliberate in loving people who treat us poorly, that we'll be quick to forgive, that we won't pull down, that we'll be kind, and that we will pray for them because when people treat others poorly, there's something going on inside them that's not right. Give us compassion for them and help us to love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let me encourage you in life when people treat you poorly. Be like Jesus and love them because God loves us when we treat him poorly. And the thing he wants us to do is to love others when they treat us poorly. Hey, thanks for being part of this. God bless you. See you next time. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations. And we'd love to help you get connected. My name is Andrew and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to support you, help you get connected and find out how you can take your next steps. So why don't you head to lifegate.org.au slash online and we'd love to find out more about you and how we can serve you as a church. Thanks for checking out this message and we'll catch you soon.